the sermon podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Grace, peace, and mercy are yours in the triune God. Amen. Think about your life seven years ago. It's a long time ago, for me at least. Think about all the changes that have happened. And now imagine that you could give the younger version of yourself a glimpse at your life today. What would your younger self think of your life now? A lot has changed for me in the last seven years. (laughs) Heck, seven years ago, I used to be a woman named Mary. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) I'm transgender, and so seven years ago, I was literally a woman named Mary. (laughs) I wasn't coming to church then, and I certainly was not considering being a pastor. So when I think about all of those changes, I have to admit that I'm actually glad that I had no idea seven years ago what my life would look like today. Because frankly, I think the end of the world would have frightened me less (laughs) than the prospect of coming out, transitioning into life as a guy, having a few relationships that didn't work out, and then becoming a pastor. I would have been totally terrified (laughs) if I had known what was coming. But now that I'm here, I'm pretty glad about how things have turned out and where I am. In the last seven years, the world, as I had always known it, came to an end. And in recognizing that, I've begun to wonder if perhaps the end of the world, as we've come to know it, isn't such a bad thing, after all. Because like it or not, Jesus today is talking about the end of the world as we know it. He goes on and on about it for a whole chapter. He's sounding a little bit morbid, and to be fair, we can't really blame him. Because before the end of the next chapter, he's going to be betrayed, condemned, and denied. So as his death on the cross draws near, he begins to talk with his friends about the end of the world as they've known it. But unlike modern-day street corner preachers who shout at passers-by about hellfire and brimstone, Jesus is talking with his friends. And he's telling them specifically not to be alarmed. So even if what he's talking about is pretty freaky, he's not fear-mongering. He doesn't seem to be trying to freak us out because he tells us not to be alarmed. And I think the most disturbing thing, especially this week, The most disturbing thing about all the events he describes is how utterly ordinary they are in our world. 
buildings being thrown down, earthquakes, natural disasters, famines, wars, and rumors of wars. We've seen all of that. Think of 9-11. Think of the recent earthquake in Nepal, Hurricane Katrina, the terrorist attacks in Paris, the violence in Syria. If stuff like wars and famines and natural disasters are supposed to signal the end of the world, then the end has been coming for, well, just about as long as recorded human history. What Jesus is talking about here is just as awful and frightening as it is common in the world that we live in. And yet, in the midst of all of this junk, Jesus talks about happening in the world. He never says that the world is dying. Instead, he talks about birth pangs. The painful, messy, and ultimately beautiful ordeal of giving birth. Now, to be clear, I've never carried a child or given birth, and I admit that it sounds completely terrifying to me. But from what my friends and my relatives who do have some experience with bearing children have told me, they've told me that it is totally life-changing. In fact, I've even been told by parents that the birth of their child was actually the end of the world as they've known it. In the face of the new life that they bore, their old lives were over. It was the end for a good while of a nice, restful eight hours of uninterrupted sleep. (laughs) And it was an end to thinking about the future primarily in terms of their own future. It was an end to the world where their hearts stayed safely inside their own chests, protected by rib cages. It was the beginning of a whole new and beautiful but frightening world, one where there was this little being that would learn to walk around outside of them, like a piece of their own heart walking around outside of their chests. So even though the birth of a child might be the end of the world as parents used to know it, and even though that might often be a frightening thing, I don't think we'd say it's a bad thing. The English poet T.S. Eliot had a way, he, he put it this way. He said, what we call the beginning is often the end. And to make an end is to make a beginning. The end is where we start from. See, I think we've been so indoctrinated by these fear-mongering street corner preachers that we've come to see the end of the world as we've known it as a bad thing. But truth be told, there's a lot of things in this world that we've come to know that need to come to an end. For example, it's good news that there will be an end to evil's desperate posturing here on earth. It's good news that there will be an end to the havoc wreaked by senseless violence. 
It's good news that there will be an end both to terrorism and to our fear of it. And it's not only the stuff out there in the world somewhere, somewhere far away. It's the stuff that's in our personal lives and in our hearts as well that needs to come to an end. And in our personal lives, when things need to end, they end through a process that feels like birth pangs. Sometimes we think that it feels like dying. It's not an uncommon theme in Scripture, this this theme of labor pains, birth pains. St. Paul wrote about it this way in one of my favorite passages in his letter to the Romans. He said, We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly. Because the process of birth is not pretty and romantic. Newness in our lives is messy and awkward. Like a baby calf taking its first trembling steps. And newness is often painful too, like childbirth. It's messy, painful, frightening, beautiful. Like getting sober. It's the end of the world as you knew it. Or maybe it's like finally showing up to your life for the first time in years. Rather than passively playing the victim, accepting every punch that came your way. Or maybe it looks like a breakup or divorce in a relationship that, unhealthy as it was, had become the only normal you knew. It's the end of the world as you knew it. But now there is new life beyond that, and it will find you. It's like finally taking the step to go get help and take medication for the mental health issues that you've been refusing to deal with. It's, pu- it's that thing that pushes you to hope for something better. It embraces you in the vulnerability of accepting help and admitting that there are things beyond your control. It's literally the end as you knew it. And it's also the birth of new life. It's both at the same time. So perhaps the end really is upon us. But perhaps it is also the birth of a new world just begun. We see all the signs. We hear creation groaning as in labor, and we ourselves groan inwardly. Even in the midst of falling buildings and natural disasters and wars and senseless violence, in the midst of all of this, God boldly carries forth a promise as fragile as a baby through war-torn streets. Even in these last days, God is bringing something to life. In Christ, God is actively defying every end we humans keep attempting to make. For in our God, there can be no end without a new beginning. Amen.